What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. So have you ever heard the quote that life isn't about the destination, it's about the journey? Um, of course you've heard that quote. <laughs> it's one of the most overused cliche quotes about travel ever. I'm sure you've seen it a million times underneath Instagram posts of your friends in front of the Eiffel Tower or on Hinge profiles right underneath fluent and sarcasm. But I have to say, like so many cliches, there is a sliver of truth in there, especially when it comes to road trips. I have personally found that so often the drive to my destination has been more memorable, more enjoyable than the destination itself. And so on that note, for this episode, we've collected some of the most notable road trip stories we've ever heard. There's a tale of spontaneous combustion with a big twist that comes midway through the story. We've got one comedian's quest for a cast iron moose statue while he was road tripping through Canada. But first up, we've got George and Kat. They're two lifelong best friends who were known to get in a little bit of trouble when they were younger. Well, this is a story of how they got into a lot of trouble on a road trip with Kat's mom, Barb. As it turns out, people will call the police if they think two young girls are being kidnapped. Go figure. Uh, I'll let them take it away. Georgia, I feel like we should start at the beginning, which is like, it was this summer when we were 12 going on 13. Am I right about that? Yeah, we were each other's only friends from first through sixth grade by default. You know what I mean? And and during those very formative years, we got into or got ourselves in all sorts of jams. We we're very mischievous. But this one involves uh, your mother, Kat, and we haven't really told this story that much since her mother passed. How long has it been? Uh, three years ago. Yeah, we would only tell the story with Barb and each other because her key—that's Catherine's Catherine's mother's Barb. Her key perspective was, you know, what made it. Really hilarious to recall. Yeah. Your mother had the most amazing sense of humor. I was telling you on on her birthday last week how one of the things I admired about her was that she was the first woman that I had met in my life as a young girl. I mean, my mother was funny, but Catherine's mother was like comparable to Lucille Ball. You know, she was this beautiful woman who made it okay to like make faces and tell stories and be hysterical. And I always admired her for that. So I'm going to try to just... I don't know, whenever I tell the story, all I can see is her hysterical faces retelling the story. So hopefully that'll inspire inspire me in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I think I'll start at the beginning, which is that it was the summer before seventh grade, and you and I were going on a road trip because you were my very best friend, and to your point, we were each other's only friends, so we went on an every, <laughs> we went on every family vacation together. And so this was a really big one, and I think we it took some persuading, but your mom agreed to let you come to Florida with me for two weeks. I think the big, like the the big event in the middle of that, which was the reason we were all going, like there was lots of family that were going to Florida, was it was my grandmother's seventy fifth birthday, and so we were sure. heading from Arkansas to South Florida right. with stops on the way, and it's got to be twelve to fourteen hours or something crazy. Right, right. And so Kat and I were trying to come up with all these fun ways to entertain ourselves on this really long drive. Keep in mind, this was God only knows what year, but we didn't have cell phones, let alone CDs. And I came up with this genius idea, you know, aside from like waving to cars as they pass by or what have you, 
um, I came up with this really great idea that we were going to write on the back of the, it was a Bernstein Bears coloring book. This is how young and stupid we were. But um, I wrote, in a crayon, kidnapped, please call police. And we we propped it up in the back window with like a slushie or something. Is that right? Yeah. Like an icy? Yeah, yeah. Yo, it was definitely a slushie. Like, you know, <laughs> from wherever it was from. And like, meanwhile, we do that and we're like giggling to ourselves. And I'm sure my mom right. like, what are you girls up to back there? You know, like, she was well, no, or she just didn't care. I mean, we were, you know what I mean? Like she's driving, we're in like a white <laughs> Dodge like boat. You know what I mean? So the back seat was like a couch in and of itself. So, so we're, so, so for the first, I don't know how long we played that game, the kidnap game, cars would drive by, we would put our little faces up against the window and be like, help us, help us. And we thought this was hilarious. And we did this for a while. I don't know how long. Do you have any estimation for how long we were doing that? I mean, that part of it? We got bored with it, Georgia. We were, and then we like we, forgot. We were like, okay, whatever. This is boring. Yeah, we moved yeah. on. After we forgot about, or after we like got bored with the kidnapped game, we basically mm-hmm. forgot about the sign. And it was just oh, yeah, no, it's still back there. Yeah, it's hours. back there. It was up for hours. And people <laughs> started to drive by. And I, I think it's important to point out that like this was, you know, the early 90s before. and yeah this is before cell phones and so you know you only had a cell phone if you were very wealthy and they were the size of like a brick basically yeah, and so yeah. people were driving past us I remember a BMW passing us and pointing at their cell phone you know oh, and we were holding like, it up like out their sunroof yeah and they're like what you know and we're like what's that about like we just forgot yeah. but I also remember people driving by and like shaking their fingers at us like naughty girls you know what I mean? So anyway, Kat at some point is in the front seat. The sign is, is still in the back. And a police car, a state trooper, uh, is behind us all of a sudden. And Barb is driving. And, you know, here she is. And she's, she starts going 55. And she's got her hands like 10 and 2. And her jaws clenched. And this, this police state trooper is following us for a pretty long time. You know, I'd say 5, 10 miles. I don't know. It was a really long time. And Barb just kept saying, and cars are passing us, like, you know, flying past us on the passing lane. And this this police car is, like, right behind us. And Barb keeps saying, I don't understand. I'm going 55. I'm going 55. You know, like, he was full <laughs> on, on, like, tailing us. He was with us for, like, well over 30 minutes before, you know, she was <laughs> my poor mother. My God. <laughs> and then all I remember is the only thing at the time I have to compare it to is that when we came over like this like grassy knoll kind of like where both sides and this is the interstate right so both sides of the interstate are completely like they've stopped the other side of the interstate going the other direction they've cleared the area in front of us like this took a moment to like organize the state troopers this is pre-amber alert and the only thing i can mentally i just remember feeling like it was like we were on, do you remember in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when they stopped and were like stopping all the cars on both sides? That's the only thing that's totally dates me. But I was like, that's that's what this is like. It was like Georgia. They had shut down the interstate and there was a V formation of cops, with state troopers waiting for us. Like they yeah, had but also, your them. mom was also driving while yeah. there was a police car beside her behind her and now in front of her you know what i mean like so it's like so yeah so there was we're surrounded but she's still saying i'm going 55 i don't understand like and cat and i were thinking like this is it like we are it. we've really done it this time 
So then I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Cat, no, we know that we are in trouble, right? Like this is like obviously what has happened. Someone has literally called the police, you know, and, and we're like, okay. And Cat is in the front seat and she jumps from the front seat to the back seat to basically like hide in the floorboard, I think. Yeah, we had a blanket and I literally, I literally had a blanket. (laughs) But as she jumped from the front seat to the back seat, all of a sudden, like all at once, all of the lights of all of the police cars that are surrounding us, that are driving around us, turn on at the same time, right? So they're like, pull over. And then Kat's mom, Barb, She's so stressed out from the situation. She has no idea, like, what the heck is going on. I'll never forget. You can't her for half an hour. Like, I can't even imagine. No, 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 no. She must have said, I'm going 55, 555 times. Like, she couldn't, she could not figure out what was happening. And so then when Kat has jumped from the front seat to the back seat to hide under a blanket, thank you very much, in the back seat where I'm sitting, Barbie <laughs> God damn it, Catherine, they must be really strict about seatbelt laws here. Because that's when all of the lights turned on. And so we're like, like, pull over. So Kat is under the blanket. I'm in the back seat. I've since taken down the sign. Okay, so then my mom, you know, she looks, she like gathers herself, calms herself down, takes a deep breath, looks in the rear view mirror, you know, and then she rolls the window down. Puts her arm on the window, leans <laughs> out, and says, "Is there a problem, officer?" And so there's police cars in front of us. The other side of the interstate is not; they've shut down all traffic on both sides. And then all the blue lights, and and everyone's like, you know, step away from the vehicle. And she, she's your mom. Like puts her arm out. She's like, "Is there a problem, officers?" Like our voice is a little shaky, you know. And they're like, "Ma'am, step away from the vehicle. Step away from the vehicle." I was like, really, really, really nervous at this point. Can you imagine? Comes up and is like, you know, ma'am, something, something. We've had a call about us. You know, we can't hear this because we're in the back seat. Call about something, something about a sign. And then your mom is like, sign. What sign? And turns around and looks at us like with like, hell hath no fury behind her eyes. You know what I mean? And we're like, yeah, well, this is where I remember we were in the back seat, like cowering under this blanket, you know, and we were like terrified of what was going to happen. And I remember like looking through the window at these officers talking to my mom, you know, and it was just like, oh my God. So then I had to hand Barb the Bernstein Bears coloring book and she like madly flips each individual page half colored all the all the way to the end where in crayon it says kidnapped please call police and like she was dumbfounded after they talked to my mom and the sign what sign happened right you know they were like okay let us talk to the girls and they pulled us out and excuse me this is a key detail georgia because they were like you girls are safe now yeah, now tell yeah, us what's dear really going on. <laughs> Like, excuse me, like, that was like, I was like, no, she's my mom. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, you're bawling tears. You can't even talk. You're like, she's my mother, you know. And it was blatantly obvious. That, I mean, you, but I don't know. I don't know. It was a, it was a wreck. But then that you tried to throw me under the bus. Do you remember that? I mean, guilty as charged. I mean, I, I always have really, really good ideas, apparently. Well, then they were like, Oh, girls! Like you're in really big yeah, trouble now. Yeah, you know, yeah. like 
you realize what you've done? And, you know, I don't know. My mom and the officers were having some sort of conversation. And they like, let us go. I remember them them telling us about how much um, manpower or something and time and money that they had spent on this deal. And then, you know, and that's all I remember. The police officer actually chastising us about. But like upon reflection, I think back. I mean, my God, like this isn't a funny joke, you know, like it's really not like there are this happens, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know, for us to have taken advantage of that and viewed it as a hysterical joke for some reason really is like a little snippet of our sick minds at the time. You know, why did we think that was even funny? Why did we even think that that is funny? I don't know, but it was hysterical. Well, and then I think I was. I'd be remiss not to say, too, that, like, the reason it ended the way it did for us as well is because, you know, we're white and we're in a place of privilege. Who knows what would have happened, but, like, you know, we were able to drive off in a way, and I feel like I'm recognized. Oh, a hundred. You are 100% right. Like, I have no idea. I can't even, like, imagine what this is, how naive and, again, privileged we are and were, especially at that stage in our lives, as far as, like, you know, this is something naughty that we thought would be hysterical. I did, but I never really thought that like anyone would actually call the police. Like why? I don't even know. I've never even really thought about why we thought it was so funny. Yeah. And then I feel like, you know, what I think was pretty badass was that my mom's punishment was like terrifying. Like we weren't grounded because we couldn't be grounded because we were going to be together for the next yeah, two weeks. Yeah, like, like, yeah, your mom's punishment was, was epic because at the time it seemed like so catastrophic uh we had to count we had to tear we had to tear the sign up into 1000 pieces and then her threat was her threat was if we did one other bad thing on the trip we would have to glue the sign back together again right the whole rest of that entire <laughs> 10 hour drive was us thinking she had in this we had this freezer ziploc baggie that we probably had to eat the last oatmeal cookie out of in order to put the pieces of the sign into, right? <laughs> I mean, and so then part of our other bad thing was like we would slightly roll down the window or like every time we stop, like like litter out like these tiny handfuls of the tiny pieces of the sign. So like we were really showing her. So like if we got in trouble or when we when we got when we got in trouble again, there wouldn't even be a sign to have to piece back together. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. So while Georgia and Kat managed to escape their prank gone wrong with nothing more than a creative punishment and a really funny story, not everyone is so lucky. When Dave was 22 years old, he and two of his friends, Ryan and Mike, packed up all their stuff and left New Jersey. They were driving the entire way across the country to Los Angeles where they planned to look for jobs and basically settle down. And they did. But when they hit New Mexico, something happened during their road trip that left them changed and confused forever. Yeah, the vibe for the trip was just excitable and relaxed. I wouldn't say we were partying. We were actually probably just stoned the whole time, for the most part. But that's when something unexpected happened. Important sidebar, really quickly. I've known Dave since we were 11 years old. And I've never heard him tell a lie. Uh, it, was a be- it was a beautiful sunny day. I, I might even have my shirt off. It was like we're just cruising in essentially summer weather. Uh, and uh, I think my buddy in the front, Mike, was 
possibly sleeping or just kind of daydreaming because none of us were talking. It was like a weird moment. We were just kind of dazed cruising. And that's what made it so odd is because we were literally doing nothing. I was focused on the road. Mike was either sleeping or just eyes dead ahead. And Ryan hasn't said anything for a while. And then after a significant amount of silence, all we heard was, dude, your arm's on fire. <laughs> so, it caught us off guard a little bit like oh my god mike your arm is on fire and i'm driving and then my thought wasn't to stop i kept driving and then i realized ryan wasn't doing anything he just his, he fulfilled his duty just by saying dude your arm's on fire i'm gonna go back sitting in the back like it was normal and i started i didn't take my hand off the wheel i started blowing at it and before blowing at it it was like it wasn't that big it was like the corner of his his left bicep on his in his short sleeve shirt like that was just like slightly caught on fire so i I to put one hand on the wheel and start batting it out with my hand. And before it started getting bigger, it was big enough to like cause burns on his arm and, you know, burn his sleeve a little bit. So as soon as it happened, I grabbed my little, my little camera and started filming the aftermath and kind of interviewed my buddy, Mike, who got, who got burned spontaneously. And you'll see in the video, he's holding his arm pretty much the whole time complaining about the pain. And you'll see his arm is a little, has a little burn and his little sleeve on his t-shirt is actually charred. And I wish I showed my hand because my hand was all charred up. So here's a quick snippet of audio from that video, which was taken about 20 seconds after the fire started. Bob is laying on record and about one minute ago, one mom just got on fire. Fuck did that start, right? And like whenever we were sitting here and all of a sudden it just caught like started heating up. Who knows? It, we, we, we may never know. You never know. You never know. I'm hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so hot. I'm, I'm, I'm burning up. I'm on fire. I survived. Stop. I survived. You didn't, yeah. even, you didn't stop top roll, though. I need to. I need yeah, to. All you do is flailing your elbow. Like, trying to I didn't mode. see it. You're like, where am I on fire? What do you mean? <laughs> so naturally, my immediate question, and obviously everyone else's, is, how did this fire start? What, the leading theory, in my opinion, is the one hitter that we were hitting throughout the trip. And, you know, every time it's only it's in the name, it's a one hitter. So after you hit it, you blow, you blow it out of the window as we're driving and then re repack the one hitter. And my theory is that Ryan in the back was hitting the one hitter, then tried blowing it out possibly of the sunroof, which would be in between me and Mike in the front seat. And he either blew right down and got caught on my buddy's sleeve miraculously. And then, the you know, the, um, the end of the, the burning ashes caught in my buddy's sleeve and blew it up. That's one theory. That's probably the most logical, as slim as the chances are. Okay. But then wouldn't that be easily provable? What did the dude in the back seat say? My buddy who noticed the fire, Ryan, in the back, from what I remember, his theory was the magnifying effect from the sunroof, the sun, the heat of the sun in the middle of the desert, onto my friend's arm. So... I mean, my buddy's arm probably would have been still for a significant amount of time for that to ever happen, even though my sunroof's polarized, which I'm pretty sure would debunk that. So that's the theory number two. Theory number three, spontaneous combustion. I, I, that's, that's all I'm going to say with that. And that's when Dave presented a fourth theory that I had never heard before, and I had to intervene. Theory number four, Ryan literally lit it on the fire. That, that's the only four I could think of. Wait, I'm sorry. Just to interject here. The fourth theory is that he did it himself and he's not, like, for attention? No. This, my, my final theory is that Ryan in the back lit his sleeve on fire, like, messing around, perhaps, and it actually caught fire. 
maybe it was a prank and he didn't admit it because I would, if, knowing Ryan, I could totally see him not admitting to that even to date. Wait, did you, did you ask, did you confront him with that though? Not in a while. I mean, we definitely confront, I mean, he never, he never manned up to it to this date. So if I brought it up, if I texted him now, I'm curious what he would say. I mean, this is the same guy that when we, when we made it to the Grand Canyon on the same trip, I decided to hop over the fence. We got there at night because we mistimed it. I hopped over the fence of Grand Canyon just to pee off it. I was like, oh, I just want to pee off the Grand Canyon while we're here. We can't see it during the daytime. So I literally got to the edge of the Grand Canyon. My toes are probably like a few inches away. So like the edge of the Grand Canyon. And all I hear him, I hear him like walking behind me, Ryan, the one who called out the fire. And he just, he's, he played a practical joke at the edge of the Grand Canyon, which in my head is sick in the head. He like does one of those grab you, like pretends to push you at the edge of the Grand Canyon, which led me to pee all over myself when I drove to Vegas without my pants on because I had pee all over him. But nevertheless, my point is the type of guy who will pull those jokes, which is a sick joke, and might not admit to it. So that's theory number four. Should we call him? Yeah, I can probably get him on. <laughs> Would you call him right now? <laughs> yeah, let me try. You want me to try? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Ryan is on the line. And he's with his boss right now at the dinner, so you can only give a quick statement if you want to ask him a quick question. No, what do you want to ask me? I want now? I want to ask you if <laughs> if if you know how that fire started in the car. Well, there's a lot of preview to this though, like, and there's like you'd have to ask me because if, if you were to say like, "Hey, uh, the fire just started on, on somebody's sleeve," then I would say you're fucking wrong. But if you were to say, like, oh, well, were you driving across country and, like, you're smoking a one-hitter and you're, like, in the middle of the desert, like, in Arizona, and then next thing you know, you blink your eyeballs and the sunroof is open and you woke up in your, in your sleeve on fire, was I there? Absolutely. But did you, <laughs> did you, <laughs> did you start the fire? What did I start the fire? Um... I, you know what, I'm going to sleep the script on this one because uh, I was there for it. Uh, now, if you're going to ask me how the fire started, I can tell you I witnessed it. But you didn't, the, you didn't light him I on fire. But you didn't light him on fire on purpose, I guess, because that was one of the theories that was potentially what you do? What do you, what do you light one of your best friends on fire? Well, car. <laughs> it, it depends. <laughs> I mean, listen, would you, it's the question, would you light your friend on fire? Probably not, no. So then that, that, then, then that has some, some substance behind it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, ask, ask me, okay, dude, where did we go right after Wild got first? We went to, yeah, ask him. Where did we that, go? That, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Was that when we walked to the There's, You gotta get the full context of this. So like, no, 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 no. There's no full context. Did you did you light his sleeve on fire as a joke or not? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. So the, the real answer, if you really want the full context of the story, I'm going to leave you guys to believe that any three of these or four of these possibilities are, are, are fully capable of having happened. But until we're in the room, I will not come clean uh, as to so you're saying you're dirty? Said. No, I'm just saying I was in the car at the scene of the crime, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, and you know what? To be quite honest, I was there. I Dave and I passed that fucking one year around. Did a loose little fucking nugget fall and roll on its feet and catch fire? 
sure. Did, did the fucking sunroof could shine down on that nugget and 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 fucking burn like the like a fucking candle in the wind? Yeah, I mean all the process, uh, everything lines up. And if you want the full explanation, I will give you the full answer, but I won't do it. Anymore. You know, it had to be in the flash. <laughs> I'm not admitting to, I'm not admitting to anything, and I'm not denying anything. So I, I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, okay, that's very mysterious, but <laughs> okay, it's a mysterious thing. Fair uh, enough. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I owe that much respect to my friends. And uh, it's probably not the answer they want to hear. It's probably not the answer you want to hear. <laughs> and I know when I sit down in front of Mike, he won't be thrilled with the answer I'm going to provide. <laughs> but it will be honest, okay? And you can leave it, leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Sorry, but that's, that's Thank best you. I can do. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. It sounds like, okay. Thanks, man. Is that honest? I mean, I'm an honest man, okay? That's what I can draw up for you right now. I mean, you're seriously honest. So he would not be happy with the answer. <laughs> he would not be happy with the answer. That is correct. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that narrows okay. down some theories. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Bye, guys. Later. Yeah, I think that about narrows down the evidence, <laughs> you ask me. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a solved mystery. Live on yeah, air. it took nine years. <laughs> Nine-year unsolved mystery I was just solved on a three-way phone call. <laughs> discreetly. <laughs> it's kind of crazy is I think that was the first time I really put thought towards that last theory, which that Ryan just lit his arm on fire. Most of the theories truly led upon the one-hitter. He really leaned upon that. Um, I need to call Mike and... Uh, See what he thinks. To be honest, after this, I didn't. Even, I'm kind of, kind of blustered up right now. Do you want to call him? <laughs> yeah, you want to try? Yeah. I want to try. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have Mike here, who's the uh, the culprit, not the culprit, the victim rather, who his arm caught on fire. Yeah, Mike. We haven't talked about this in a while, but Vermont, correct me if I'm wrong. The theories were one: the one hitter that Ryan was hitting tried blowing it out and caught in your sleeve. Two was that Ryan thought it was a magnifying effect from the sunroof to your arm and the, with the sun. And then I guess the third theory I can only think of is that Ryan lit your arm on fire, lit your sleeve on fire as a joke, and it caught on fire, which we never really leaned on, right? No, we never really leaned on number three. And we thought it was possible that, like, the sun magnified uh, through the sunroof onto my sleeve and started a fire. But then we realized that it was an idiot and he was actually in the back smoking a one-hitter, and when he went to like tap it out the window, he ashed on me, and that's how my sleeve got caught fire. Well, Mike, wait till you we digress on what, how we just heard Ryan speak, because the one we didn't lean on kind of seems like it might be coming to fruition. Really? <laughs> He didn't admit it, but he was pushing all the buttons to say that the last theory that he might have lit your home on fire is a joke, and which is messed up is because when Will was asking me these questions, I never really thought of that. I never really knew it was possible, but we never like discussed how Ryan would do that, but I think that's what he did. I don't think he did that. I think it's been too long. He would have admitted to it at some point. Would he, though? I feel like if anyone's going to hold that down, it'd be him. 
No, because he's got a big mouth. Eventually, he would have pulled somebody after we told the story, like, oh, hey, actually, it was me. I did it on purpose because he likes to have credit for stuff. He does like have to. Like, he does like to have credit for stuff, so that would mitigate it. But you should hear what he said. Interesting. Well, I don't think he lit me on fire. I think I think it just happened by mistake because his response was like, "Oh shit, dude, you're on fire." <laughs> uh, like when it happened, was more of like I remember it being like he was shocked himself of like, "Holy shit! Like what? Like how did this happen?" But I don't think he lit me on fire. No. Did it hurt? Mike? Uh, yeah, I had like a little scar on, the, on my arm for a little bit because like the shirt uh, like burnt into my skin and so yeah, it had like a little scar on the back of my left arm. I mean, it's possible maybe he did do it. <laughs> I don't know, I, man. I don't know though. I just feel... I don't know. I feel like when he hit, like said, "Oh, you're on fire!" Like he was so shocked himself that I thought it was more shocked. Was like, "Yo, your arm's on fire!" It's and that's weird. when I looked at you, and then your face lit up, and that's when I realized I was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I realized I was yeah. on fire. I believe in the story with the one hitter is more realistic to me. I feel like. Although he would set me on fire, I feel like the one-hitter was the cause. That's what I'm saying. You're a betting man. You're a poker guy. So the, like, think about the odds of that actually catching on your sleeve that wasn't folded to start a fire. You know what I mean? But the, the odds and possibility of just simply letting a flame to your sleeve without either of us looking. Yeah, I, I think the one-hitter is more possible just because uh, knowing him, you guys probably had a little spotlight on him. He probably wanted to juice up the story a little bit. Yeah, maybe I did light him on fire. Want to throw something out there? I was thinking that too. The spotlight. Now I feel like if I were to call, I feel like I would call his bluff and say, "You're just full of shit. You just wanted to like juice up the story a little bit more." Because really, you know, he just sat there and did nothing. Thank you, dude. I appreciate you weighing in. Now, in hindsight, collecting all the data that I just collected, calling you know the witnesses and potential victims. I am. St- I might be even more perplexed than I was at the beginning of the story, to be honest. Um, considering what hearing both sides, I wouldn't really thought about it. the most logical way. I mean, logical but illogical thought was that he lit just lit his armor fire. Ryan's a prankster, so I get it. But back to the point where Ryan, with Mike said Ryan likes the credit. He might have he might have coughed up by now, and so it also blends in with the fact that he's had a couple of drinks when we just spoke to him that he was trying to you know fluff up the story a bit. I'm still I'm still, like the odds of him blowing the one hitter and landing on his sleeve sounds so sound like nothing. So part of me thinks I'm sticking with thirty one. I'm still thinking it's the uh it was the one hitter as 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 low as the odds are. Now listening to Ryan's voice when he was telling us that, I think he was pulling us along on a string. Very interesting. I think you know well, once again, I am more confused now than I've ever been to be honest. <laughs> you know what I think? I think we should go back to the uh, the magnifying glass theory because stranger things have happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about that is the the theory that we're, we're leaning on to the least. So maybe it was. I'm going to I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to run some experiments. Uh, that was awesome. Good lord! All right. <laughs> you good? Yeah.
Okay, so finally, we have a story from comedian Dave Hill about his road trip through Canada, where, well, pretty much the most Canadian thing ever happened to him. Here's Dave. I'll let him explain. This is comedian and musician Dave Hill, and I want to share with you a story of, uh, I spent a couple years uh, traveling through Canada researching uh this book that I was writing about, you guessed it, Canada. Um, and the reason I wrote the book was because uh, my grandfather was from Canada and he always talked about how Canada was the greatest country on earth and, and it was just this paradise um, above, above America, which, you know, doesn't explain why he moved to Cleveland, the Paris of Northeastern Ohio. But, um, you know, he did anyway, but he would talk about Canada all the time. So I wrote a book sort of inspired by, uh, by his bragging about Canada and it's called Parking the Moose. Uh, not to tell you that I'm not plugging it, but I guess I get, I guess I just did. Um, but anyway, as part of the book, I decided to travel to his hometown, Clinton, Ontario, which is, I'd only heard about it. I didn't even know the name of it until I finally was like, I got to go to his hometown. And then. I just had to ask my uncle, and he was like, Clinton. So I was like, okay, great, I'm on my way. And anyway, I was home visiting my dad in Cleveland, and uh, it's actually not far from Cleveland, Clinton, Ontario. You just got to drive around uh, Lake Erie, majestic, murky, mystical Lake Erie. And uh, so my buddy Joe, who um, I know him pretty well now. At the time, I didn't know him very well at all. I just met him, so I really wasn't sure whether or not he might murder me on this road trip. Um, but I guess the fact that I'm talking about, you already know how that worked out. Anyway, um, so Joe picks me up, and we drive around Lake Erie through Detroit, and we wind up, you know, a lot. We get into Canada, and we're just, you know, we're filled with the excitement that, you know, one feels when they pull into Canada proper and we're kind of like looking for like super Canadian things, you know, to really just get our Canada on. And there really wasn't anything. There was like an inflatable, a very large inflatable slice of pizza, which was very exciting for at least a few miles. And then we started seeing uh, big like outdoor patio chairs with maple leaves painted on them. And we're super pumped about that, as you can imagine. Anyway, we finally get to um, Clinton, Ontario. Joe and I get there. We figure we're going to like, it's, there's one intersection in the whole town. Then we got excited and we just, I had the address of my grandfather's house and we drove over there and uh, it was a pretty sweet house. Uh, this really old house uh, from like the 1800s. And so uh, we knocked on the door. No one was home. We leave, right? And then we go into town and they have these cookies at this diner we go to, and uh, they're shaped like maple leaf cookies. And I was like, can I get, what are those called? And they said, maple leaf cookies. I would have thought they would have had like a more clever name than just maple leaf cookies, but it's still a little on the nose. Anyway, um, so we walk down the street, and then we there's like a sort of a charity shop or thrift store or whatever you want, what you want to call it. and it was closed, but in the window, this is when we did this trip, it was 150, 150th anniversary of Canada. So people, the Canadian people could not have been more worked up about this, as you can imagine. 
is an exciting time to be uh, Canadian or just in Canada. We were pretty fired up ourselves. There's a lot of partying going on. And in the window of this store, they had all this stuff, you know, to commemorate the 150th or the Thespian Centennial, as it's fun to say. Um, they basically had like shirts that said Canada, some hockey sticks. And that's about it. But then they had giant, well, relatively speaking, this cast iron moose that was about the size of a cat. And I was like, that moose will be mine. I'm going to get that moose. And But then in the window, there was a sign that said, uh, all items in the window won't be for sale till July 11th. And we were there on July 7th. So I was like, well, we'll come back. This is the plan. Uh, first of all, I called dibs on the moose in case Joe had any big moose plans. And I was like, that's my moose. Don't even think about it. We're going to come back tomorrow. So the next day we come back and I walk in the store and there's these older ladies working there. And I say, I want to buy the moose in the window. And they're like, well, you can't buy the moose. All items, you know, they basically repeated what the sign said. I said, I know, but I'm visiting from, you know, America. I thought, you know, I'm only going to be here today. You know, can I buy the moose? And they're like, no. Like, and I was like, well, you sure? Like I came all this way. My grandfather has a farm here and I came to see the farm he grew up on and, they're, and they're like, well, you're going to have to have someone come back and buy it for you on the 11th. And I said, well, I don't know anyone who lives, the closest person I know lives in Toronto. That's like two hours away. And they're like, can't you get your grandfather to buy it? And then I looked up at the ceiling, sort of, you know, like the heavens. And I was like, I don't know, Grandpa, can you? And the ladies, they thought I was crazy and they apologized. They realized my grandfather was dead. Anyway, they would not, all by way of saying, they refused to sell me the moose. They wouldn't even tell me how much the moose cost. And we had to leave the store mooseless. And then I came back. I was like, really? You sure you won't sell me this? They're like, look, all right, just call on the 11th. Maybe we can work something out. Because they had told me they wouldn't even shit me the moose. They were really, you know, these ladies were, they were rough. And anyway, so they finally were like, let's, uh, you know, call, call on Tuesday or whatever the day. And uh, so I get back to New York and I call. And I say, hey, I'm, I'm the guy who was in there trying to buy the moose. And they're like, okay, uh, we still have it. Send us an email with your address. So I email this lady and she writes back. And this is, I had been told the thing, because I had already been bitching to everyone about how they wouldn't sell me the moose. And everyone was like, that's so Canadian. They're all really about rules. And, you know, they won't even sell you a moose. Um, and, and so the lady writes back and she says, and this is the most Canadian thing that ever happened, I think, in the history of Canada. She writes back, she's like, okay, the moose is on its way. Send me a check for whatever it was, like 40 bucks when you get a chance. And I was just like, no one in America would ever just send you a moose without you paying for the moose beforehand. This lady trusted me for some reason. Anyway, what I forgot to tell you is that my friend Joe, when, when I couldn't, when they wouldn't let me to buy the moose, he's like a sculptor. So he's like, I'll sculpt you a moose. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and so I never told him that I got the moose. And a few days later, a box shows up and it's the moose from the store in Canada. Only like it's beat to shit because they didn't pack it up very well. The antlers had ripped off. It was a real mess. But my girlfriend glued it back together. She's good with moose. Is, um, Anyway, um, all by way of saying, I got that moose. And then a few months later, another package arrived 
second it was another moose, the one my friend Joe made, because I never told him that I got the first moose in the first place. And uh, so my point of the story is that now I'm a guy who has two cat-sized moose sculptures in his apartment, and it's glorious. That's my story. All right, thank you to all of our guests who shared their stories. Please, if you have your own road trip story, tell me about it in the comments. I would love to read them. And thank you to the entire Thrillist podcast team, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, producer Mia Fask, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudor, Dan Byrne edited and mixed this episode and did a great job. Stay safe, everybody. Stay strong. And I'll see you next week. Bye. What are you doing?